Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Joint Air Christian Lifestyle, the podcast where we celebrate diversity within the body of Christ. I'm your host, Shane Fritz, and uh, and we're actually recording this uh, on the Saturday, the Saturday between Good Friday and uh, Resurrection Sunday, and you know, it's just a time that we reflect and we think about this time of year, everything Jesus did, everything he accomplished on the cross, everything that the resurrection accomplishes, everything that it means for us today. And, and so it seemed like a good time to, to share um, some of my story and really just, just what the blood of Jesus did in my life. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share some of my testimony for, some of, for those of you who, who haven't heard um, my whole story. Um, you're still not going to hear my whole story, but but this is kind of a snapshot of, of where I came from and, and what I came out of and, and what Jesus accomplished um, in my life. And, and I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful. And it, you know, when we think about what he endured for us because we're his joy and because he saw value in us and because because he wanted us restored to relationship, it's, it's, uh, it's humbling to think about. And when I talk about uh, uh, me and, and where I came from, um, those of you who don't know, I was, I was raised in a very strict religious household. I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. I lived that way for 30 years, uh, 30 couple years. And, you know, the, the first time that, that I got up to minister to people, I always tell this story. First time I got up to minister to people, I was about six years old. And, uh, and so I'm like barely able to read. Um, and I get up at this, uh, this big podium, you know, and, and they set up a stool so I can get up to see my Bible in front of me. And they have the, the platform tilted back and they pull the microphone way down over the platform. And so I'm ministering uh, for a very short time to, to about 100 people. And, uh, and I can't even see them. And I'm reading a section of scripture that I don't understand. It really, you know, think about a six-year-old reading out of the Old Testament with all kinds of names and places um, and not out of a kid's Bible. I didn't even know what I was talking about. But it's just what kids did in that faith, you know. And, and so what as I get down and after the service, I had people coming up to me and they're just telling me about how, you know, how proud that made God that I would get up and do that. And, and you know, that's really, if you hear my heart and, and if you've listened to the podcast at all, if you talk to me at all, you'll know that a lot of my calling and a lot of where I feel I'm led, led is to really fight the religious spirit that holds so many people captive. And, you know, for young children, um, I'm just going to be honest with you. This is like one of the places where I remember back and and I think this was a stumbling point early on for me, was that this, this mentality hit me that this is how you please God, right? You get up and you do things, and that makes God proud of you, and this is how you earn the love of the Father instead of just understanding that he's crazy about you right from the get-go. And so as I go through my life then, this is starting at age six, and as I go through my life, now looking back, I see that I cycled in this for years where I would do things to make God proud. And as I got older, you know, 
what was happening was there was no relationship there. There was no relationship with God. It was all about just doing things to please him and trying to get approval from him. And what happens is it happens to so many people, and it's not specific to the religion I'm talking about, but anytime you're dealing with a works-based religion, you know, there's a hole that gets left unfilled in your life. And that's really what I dealt with. And what what happens is, is I hit my teen years, right? This hole turns into a depression. It turns into anxiety. It turns into fear. It turns into anger. And really, the root of it is a lack of understanding. And so, you know, as I say that, and as I look back, then I transition into my adult years, and now I've got this hole that I'm trying to fill. Well, you got to understand that when you live in a religious mindset, you're never trying to fill that hole with God because you have the one true religion, okay? All right? And so you feel like you've already put God in your life to the best of your understanding. Of course, you're not willing to look outside of your understanding because that's heresy, right? So what happens, okay, well, I'm seeking God the way I know how to seek God, but I still have a hole. So what happens is it takes root and all kinds of bad things. And, and I'm telling you, this isn't specific to this religion, but this is specific to religion. This is specific to that spirit of religion, that what happens is we try to fill that hole with everything we can get our hands on because we already have our hands on our version of God. So, you know, addiction kicks in. And this is all through my 20s and even my 30s. I've got this addictive personality. And it's not that I I ever got, like, really hooked on drugs. But you have to understand, you don't have to be hooked on drugs to be headlong into a fight with addiction. It doesn't have to completely wreck you and have you homeless to understand that addiction is still very damaging um, to you. And, and, you know, even in the church today, a lot of times we're ministering at the altar and we're ministering to people who are fighting addiction or addictive personality. And we're speaking to one addiction rather than the root. And the root is always the fact that we haven't stepped into a relationship and a yielded um, place of covenant with God. We don't understand who we are in him. And so there's a hole that we try to fill with everything under the sun. Okay, so now that takes me into my 30s. I'm still like living in this religious mindset. I still have no relationship with God. Now I'm dealing with depression, anxiety, addiction. And I understand that God is not really doing anything for me in this season, okay, because I'm not seeking him um, in any way other than just a religious kind of superficial be here now, do this, don't do that, um, do, 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 don't do, don't do. And so I realize that the religion I'm in is not impacting my life in any way. And so my wife and I make a very hard decision to leave it. And we leave it because there's a lot of things that, that in, our, in our inner being we cannot reconcile. We, we can't make sense of it. But what we know is it just feels wrong. So we step away from that. In that season, I lose all contact with my family. We've been years now without speaking to to my family by their choice, not ours. But as I step out of the religion, I'm totally disillusioned and I really don't care if I ever step into any kind of church again. And so 
the following six months, I'm still dealing with all these me problems, except I'm now trying to deal with them on my own. And I'd say for about a six month period, it just continues to snowball. And really, at the end of this six months, I'm looking at a person whose marriage is on the rocks. My kids don't know me. I'm a workaholic. I'm just staying at work 80, 90 hours a week because I don't know how to be home with my family. Okay? I'm upset with my parents. I'm seeing a therapist who's trying to make heads or tails out of what I got going on. And I remember this one day so specifically, and it's really, it's the day that God got in my way. Okay? I think that's the best way to say it. It's not that I hadn't accepted Jesus. It's not that I hadn't um, been saved prior to this, but it's the day that God gets in my way and shows me a new way. And so it, it's this point in time, I'm seeing my therapist, and this was the first of three encounters I have on this one day. And she goes, what, you know, I'm just trying to understand. She goes, what exactly like triggers you? Like, like, like what? And she's really, she's trying um, from an honest place to try to get to the root. And I'm dealing with all of these feelings about my parents and my past and my upbringing. And I remember really just lashing out at her in that moment. And I said, you know, it's just, it's like Abraham. And I said, you know, I'm thinking about Abraham and God promised him this beautiful son that was going to be this fulfillment. And then God changes his mind and he goes, why don't you just go offer him up to me? Like just to test his obedience. And she goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. She goes, I don't think you finished reading that account. She goes, because what you have to understand is that there was a lamb provided. And I remember her saying that. Now, I understand that in the biblical account, it actually says that there's a goat, right? But when she said lamb, it was the first time that something shifted in me that I started realizing that outside of the religious lens that I had always seen the Bible through, there was something beautiful there. And I started realizing that there was a picture here of sons of promise. Oh, that there was a picture that sons of promise were being reconciled and saved because of a lamb. And it hit me and I didn't know what to do with it. Later on that, that same day, I'm having a, a conversation with my wife. And you have to understand we're at a point where all conversations are very strained. Okay, like, like. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, okay? But I remember my wife coming to me, and she came to me out of just such a beautiful place of love. And, and she said, you know, listen, if our marriage is going to get back on track, if, if things are going to get better, then we need to come to a place where we put God back in our marriage. And I remember kind of half-heartedly, like, being like, yeah, you know, you're right. And so uh, almost like out of a... A necessity right to, to do something appearing again remember I'm still dealing with a religious spirit okay um, I remember picking up a children's Bible and I sat there with Dylan Dylan's still really little like he probably wasn't even picking up what I was putting down okay but I just start reading a Bible story to Dylan and 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 if I'm honest as I'm doing it it's for appearance sake okay but I'm reading this Bible story to Dylan and it's the account about Jesus and he's ministering to the children and this childlike faith. And again, it's like all of a sudden I'm just now, now this is the first time I'm really feeling Holy Spirit just come over me. 
and I'm starting to tingle and I'm starting to understand that it's about a humble place and, and not about a point of pride and it's not about having all the answers and it's it's not about um, uh, it's not about a one true religion. It's just about chasing God and and I get done reading this story with Dylan and and, and I'm sitting on the couch and, and in this in this moment I begin praying just this really real prayer to God that He's got to show me what I'm supposed to do. Like you have to understand, I live every day in pain. I'm so heavily medicated that it's just existing. It's not living anymore. There's no enjoyment in my life. It's just it's just getting from point A to point B and and sooner or later we're going to get to the grave and and you know and that's what I'm dealing with. And so as I start praying this real prayer, God, you just got to show me what you have for me. Like I believe you're there, but I don't want to move off this couch. It just hurts too much. I just need you to show me why I'm here. And I picked up a regular Bible now. now. And as I opened it up, I'm not aiming for any particular scripture, but as I opened it up, the Bible fell open to Ephesians 2. And my eyes fell down and I started reading somewhere around verse 8. And, and verse 8 just started speaking to me. I'm going to go ahead and read this. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it's the gift of God and not of works lest anyone should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand and we should walk in them and I got to be honest with you I think this is the first time I really knew God was speaking back to me that my prayers were not just hitting the ceiling but that my prayers were being answered I said, Lord, show me why I'm here. And he showed me why I'm here, that I was prepared, that I was um, prepared beforehand with a purpose, that there was a purpose for me to accomplish, and that, that I was workmanship, that time went into me, that, that everything that had happened up till now was going to be used for something good. And where I started meditating at, though, was verse 8. It says, for by grace you have been saved. Guys, you have to understand that what the religion that I grew up in, the Jehovah's Witness religion, a lot of you guys know they, they use their own version of the Bible. And, and can I tell you something? There's a word that miss, that's totally missing from their version of Scripture, and it's the word grace. And so I didn't understand grace. Now, I'm not saying I hadn't heard a song like Amazing Grace, but what I'm saying is I didn't understand grace. You see, everywhere it appears in their Bible, it uses two words, undeserved kindness. Now, what you have to understand is there is a place where grace definitely means that I don't deserve the kindness that's being poured out on me. There is definitely a place where that is a true statement. But yet when we read it, in the context of scripture like this, what's it mean? I'm never good enough to get to the kindness that he's going to give to me. So I need to stay working for it. Right? And that's religion. Stay working for it. Stay working for it. You were never good enough for it. Your last sin destroyed everything you had tried to accomplish prior to it. But when I started understanding grace and I started locking on grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith and it changed everything and I started to understand you know in that moment grace wasn't just his mercy it wasn't just something I didn't deserve but grace was empowerment and grace is the point and the place in time 
where we understand in our lives that he's crazy about us, that he loves us, that he loves us so much that even when we were still alienated from him, he died for us before we ever knew him, when we were still trying to do it all our own way and all the wrong way. He was sure about us, and he had something better laid out for us. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's what religion doesn't treat. That's what religion never teaches us. Religion always teaches us that, that the next act could destroy everything we've worked for, that the next act could gain everything we've hoped for. But it's all on our acts. It's all on our actions. It's all on our works. And what happens in that place of focusing on our actions is that we stay self-conscious and we stay sin-conscious. And in that place, we never are able to fully step into our identity and our sonship that he has made available to us. Everything that the Easter season accomplishes is not realized when we're focused on what we do. Scriptures like like Hebrews 10, and I'm going to read a little bit out of this. I'm, I'm using the New Living Translation today. And we start in 16, and you have to understand, the Old Covenant, right, that was works-based. That was the best sacrifice. That was what I can do to cover my sins. It was never very good. But 16 starts here, and it says, This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. And then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. Guys, that's, that's what Jesus accomplished. That's everything he accomplished was written about right there that everything would change and that we would be that we would become uh conscious of his of his will and his purpose for us he would put it in our hearts our motives would change he would put it his principles into our minds so that we could live according to his purpose and he wasn't going to remember the past anymore there was going to be one offering for sin. This is the blood. This is what we're talking about. This is why it's so important. This is the new covenant sealed with the blood of Jesus that it would take away our consciousness of sin. Because when sins are forgiven, there's no longer a need for a sacrifice. And if God's not remembering our sins, he's not remembering our lawless deeds, even the day-to-day times that we mess up and we fall short of the glory of God, He's not keeping track of anymore. What happens is in that moment, guilt, shame, condemnation, they all are washed away. When they are washed away, then what happens? So this is the place right here where all of a sudden we can transition into workspace to relation-based. We can transform for ourselves from religious mindset to relation mindset. And as we go on here, Hebrews 10, 19, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new 
and life giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right in to the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Do we understand? Uh, Jesus didn't just die for our sins, but a high priest comes into the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's us. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And our high priest personally applies his own blood, the most acceptable sacrifice there could ever be, and applies it to our hearts and to our minds, to our consciences, so that we can stand, as Colossians 1.22 says, holy, blameless, and without reproach. Guys, that's what he accomplishes. That's what he accomplished in me in that day. As I started, as I had this real encounter with him, and I remember it so clearly because everything's began to shift from that day forward into my life. You know, and I tell people that that, that moment in time, I wasn't sure that night if what was happening was a psychotic break or if it was an encounter with Jesus. These were feelings I never had. This was These were things happening in my mind. You have to understand, I was heavily medicated. And in the days to come, I kept seeking him in prayer. I said, Lord, you just got to just got to show me, am I really hearing you? And he kept on confirming things to me. And, and, you know, within days and weeks, my personality began to shift. Things began to change. Relationship in my house began to change. I remember very early on, my wife started like kind of being like, she gave me this look, like kind of like cocked her head at me. Like, like what, wait, what's going on here? Because I started interacting with her in different ways. My kids who had kind of like tiptoed around on eggshells because you never know what dad's going to do. Listen, I'm being real. This is real testimony of what happened to me. My children who kind of tiptoed around me because they weren't really sure about who I was. All of a sudden, um, they started being drawn to me. And, you know, this is the work that Jesus does in our lives. This, this is the testimony of Jesus. It's what he did for me. All of a sudden, I had a family that started looking a whole lot more like a family. With, within several months, I knew I had to make a change in my work. I started knowing that I had to transition my life away from working 80, 90 hours a week because he had more for me than that. Within months, I, I got involved in ministry classes. I knew my calling was really clear. I knew that he wanted me to use the years and years and years of having scripture downloaded in me and he wanted to put it through the Holy Ghost filter. He wanted to show me the spirit of the gospel and allow that now to flow through me and impact the lives of others. This is what Jesus does. When we yield to him, when we allow him to really be our Lord, to really lead our lives, this is what happens. You know, there's a lot of us that want him to save us. And everybody's okay with getting a savior. But listen, it works so much better. There's so much more for him to save when we also allow him to be our Lord. 
There's so much more that happens when we say, Jesus, just have your way in my life. When we recognize that everything we tried was no good without him, but everything with him is far better than we could ever think or imagine. That's what he does for us. By grace, you've been saved through faith. And, you know, that was the missing link. Listen, the greatest revelation of the Bible, the best theology, the best philosophy, um, the best church, the best services, everything is void of a faith and a relationship with him. And so, you know, that's what was missing from my life. Now, listen, I'm not saying I had good, I'm not saying I had good philosophy. I'm not saying I had good theology. I certainly didn't have good religion. There is no good religion. I'm just telling you how it's revealed to me. There's no good religion. And I didn't have a relationship. And that's why it didn't work. And that's why there wasn't faith. That's why I was just going through the motions for 30 plus years. I want to go with you guys to Hebrews 11. And I'm going to read it out of the New King James, but I want to reference the Amplified here a little bit. And, uh, and so Hebrews 11.1, 1, we know this is, the, this is the Hall of Fame of Faith scripture. But it starts out, 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Now, the Amplified Bible there Right at the top where it says faith is the substance of things hoped for. It says that faith is the title or the deed. See, faith is what shows our ownership over the promises of God. What we have faith in, and as we go through Hebrews 11, if we would read the whole chapter there, we would see that, that what faith is in is in the promises that we have. But, what, but faith is actually the title or the deed. It's what shows our ownership over the promise. And when we think about a title or deed, we can think about a car or our home. But I'm just going to use a car for an example. You know, if, if somebody knocks at our door and says, uh, let's say the police knock at our door and they say, so-and-so down the street says it's their car that's parked in your driveway. Now, for those of us who own our car uh, free and clear, we could go to our safe or wherever we keep our important papers and we could pull out a title and we could walk over to the police officer and we could say, no, sir, look, so you can match... Um, the numbers up and I can prove that that is my car, that I own that car, that it's mine. Guys, that's what faith is. And what faith looks like is action based off of the promise. It's when we live in action, when we live according to the promise. And as Hebrews 11 goes on there and it goes down through all of those great examples of faith, they all lived as though they had possessed the fulfillment of the promise. But the bottom of chapter 11 says that we are the fulfillment, that we are the completion of the promise. Every promise made is completed in us. That, that, that there was something better held out for us so that what Jesus accomplished on the cross and through the resurrection, we lay hold of and can live in the full reality of it. It's our salvation. It's our deliverance. It's our healing. It's our comfort. It's the ministering of the Holy Ghost. It's being brought back into reconciliation with the Father that we can live in relationship with Him. It's all of that. It's that we have this, this standing, this holy, blameless, above reproach standing with the Father. It's all by means of the promise being fulfilled. But what does it go on to say here? 
Verse 2, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. And verse 3 says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Romans 10.17 says, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. It's about hearing the gospel. It's about hearing the good news. What's the good news? That by grace you've been saved through faith, that you can't earn it, but that he loves you so much that even when you were a mess, he laid it all down for you. He'll never love you more. He'll never love you less. Because even when you didn't love him at all, he loved you so much that he gave it all and he laid it all down for you. Hallelujah, Jesus. And by, by faith, we understand, right, what? That it was spoken into existence. We have to believe that. We have to make that real. You know, at the, at the very base of faith, there is a moment where we have to step out of the boat, just like Peter did. When he stepped out of that boat onto water, you have to understand there's that moment where he didn't know what was going to happen, but he had to believe. We're, all of us are going to believe in one thing or another. Can I tell you something? It's way better to believe in the promises of God. He's got a track record, and he doesn't fail. He doesn't fall down. He doesn't sleep on the job. He always delivers on what he said. And when he says, by grace you have been saved through faith. When he says that you have been adopted as sons, that you can call out to him, Abba, Father, that you can be his children, that you've been adopted back into the family, that you've been called into relationship, that he's ministering to you, that he's comforting you, that he's teaching you through the Holy Spirit, that that all of this has been made available by the blood of Jesus. We can believe it. And can I tell you something? We can look out and we can see the example of others and we can know it's true. Can I tell you that the fact that I'm still standing, that I'm here, that I'm talking to you right now is proof positive that Jesus is still at work. When I look at my family, if you look at my family, if you know me, if you know my children, if you know my wife, and you see us together and we're enjoying each other's company and, and, and we are um, loving each other and we're loving others, can I tell you something? That's the testimony that Jesus still works that it's still fully available for everybody. If it worked for me, it can work for you. And I really just hope that what I'm saying right now is reaching somebody. Within a month, within a month of that, that encounter of Jesus, where it wasn't just that I accepted him, but I understood that I was really accepting him. Right? I wasn't just saved. I didn't just say a prayer. I got radically saved. I came to the realization that it was going to be that it was only his breath left in my lungs because I didn't want to live outside of him. When he came in and he wrecked me like that and he said, now I'm going to lead you and I'm going to be your Lord. I'm going to be your king. When I let him have full dominion over my life and over my family, when I just gave him control within a month. I was delivered of anxiety and depression that had been just debilitating to my life for over 15 years, for over, I'm sorry, actually over 20 years, but diagnosed for 15. But if, if I'm serious about it, within months, he had taken it from me. I went off all the heavy medication in the snap of a finger. I was healed and delivered. There was never any problem with 
with any kind of withdrawal off medicine or anything. This is the will of God that we are healed. He sealed it in blood. We talk about the new covenant sealed in the blood of Jesus, and that is what we're talking about. We're talking about the promises that are sealed in his blood. That's what this whole Easter season is about. And it's what he accomplished in my life. And it's what he can accomplish in, in your life. But it's what he's accomplished in so many lives. And so guys, I'm just going to, I'm going to let it go there. But here's what I want you to understand. It's so real. What worked for me can work for you. This whole time that I've been speaking to you about what Jesus did in my life, about about the breaking of religious spirits, about the breaking of oppressive spirits that were causing me depression, that were causing me anxiety about, about the healing that happened in family. This is prophetically being spoken over you, even in this moment. If it worked for me, it can work for you. This is the will of God for man, that we be in relationship with him. Guys, I just want to thank you for hearing me today. Guys, I just I just take this time, and I, and I know right now there is somebody being impacted by this. And I just thank you. I thank you, Jesus, that it still works. And I thank you that you came in this season, that you hung on that cross, that you, that you by faith lived and died and were resurrected so that I might never have to taste the sting of death, that the old man was crucified and a new man was raised, that part of me laid in that tomb with you, but when I came out, I came out brand new. And so uh, I I just thank God for that truth in my life. And, and I thank God that it's the truth of so many lives and that it can be the truth in your life as well. Thanks, guys. Bye.